Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So we talked last week about how much money Alaska Airlines was going to lose because of the problems with the door on the 737 MAX 9. You know, the one that fell out. (laughs) In flight. Um, In flight, yeah. And so uh, it's a couple of weeks then that some of those planes were out of commission uh, and just all kinds of problems. And there's just the fear now of riding on one of those airplanes again, which is understandable. And so as a way to get you over that, Alaska Airlines is having a big sale. Boy, aren't they ever. So what they've done is a targeted sale where they're slashing prices on some flights and some routes up to 40%. And then all routes up to 30%. So again, it's up to 30% on every flight they have. And then up to an added 10% on particular flights that they really want to sell out. And according to an email that TravelCodex.com received from Alaska Airlines, it said, starting this week, we're returning to the reliable operation that you've come to expect from Alaska. We know your travel was impacted by our grounded fleet, and we're very grateful for your patience. Please enjoy up to 40% off your next flight. Goes through some of the specifics on that through March 13th. So we're talking about a month and a half worth of flights that they're going to be doing this and they're also doubling the mileage that you get for flying on those flights so they said crediting 200 percent elite qualifying miles as part of the sales so they really 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 want to get people back on those planes yeah they're making it easier for you to get to status on alaska airlines they're just they're making those flights worth more so my question is what do you need to know as a someone who flies what do you need to know to feel confident and safe riding on those 737 max nines again and would money talk here would you say well okay i'm not at 100 percent, but that's a pretty good deal i'll take it and it's a weird thing right because we know what it costs them we know right. what what grounding those planes cost alaska airlines and it was millions of dollars So now coming off of losing millions of dollars due to a grounding, they're slashing prices. So they're going to be bringing in less revenue and operating the same number of planes. Uh, What are they cutting to justify Um, that expense? Or are they just saying, you know what, we're going to let this one go. We're going to we're going to take a loss for a month and a half in the hopes that we can get back to normal as of the middle of March. I think what this tells you is how much money airlines make on flights that they can still cut prices by 30 or 40 percent mm-hmm. and still feel like that's worth it that that sale is enough that they would still make money there um there's i'm certain there's going to be a catch somewhere there's a reason um this only goes through march 13th that's before spring break yes this is not the most popular time in the universe to be flying to alaska i mean alaska airlines goes elsewhere but this is not high season to get you out of seattle or anywhere like that where they go so this is this is the time of year where they take less of a hit 
By doing these sales anyway? That's a good point. Yes. And I don't know how much operating capital a small airlines like uh, like Alaska Airlines has on hand right. at any given time. I mean, for all I know, they're sitting on a billion dollars. And this, you know, this is just a blip where they're going to have to spend some of that in order to make it back up, like you said, in spring break and then over the summer. But, yeah, they're, they're – um, I mean, some of the baggage rules that they're instituting, it, they're doing everything they can to make it easier for you. But to your point, does money move the needle as much as anything else they could do? I mean, they can come out with an ad blitz saying, yeah, we've done all of this stuff and we made sure all the airlines are sa- or all of the airplanes in our airline are safe. But is that going to is that going to convince anybody more than just saying, well, you can fly there and it'll be half of what it cost you last year? Um. I don't know. 913-586-7798 if this would do it for you. Because I have a couple of questions. Again, I come back to when you fly, I think, and I don't check this either. I never check the type of airplane it is when I book a flight. No. I don't care. It doesn't mean anything to me. I think most people are like that. I think most people don't check to see the kind of airplane that it is. My question is, is this going to attract Alaska Airlines new customers who who had not flown Alaska before but might now because of the fare. And in that case, Alaska comes out ahead because, like I said before, Alaska Airlines traditionally ranks at the top of everybody's customer service list when it comes to airlines. So it's possible they would sort of like how restaurants do restaurant week to get new yeah. to get new customers. It's possible that would happen. What annoys me about this a little bit as I go further into looking for what the problem is here. Most people don't book tickets at the last minute like this. This isn't last minute, but this is in the next six weeks. Yes. Most people don't work that way. Most people are not me. (laughs) Most people (laughs) book their tickets months ahead. And so this is them trying to get people who wouldn't be traveling anyway, who are willing to take, take advantage of a deal. So they come out ahead of money they wouldn't have had anyway. Yeah, and for and this counts for you and me certainly because of what we do for a living, but it also counts for everybody who's listening to us because and this is not just me, you know, stroking the audience, but we do tend to be those of us who are involved in this on this end of it or on the listening end of it or whatever, a little better tuned into what's going on than mm-hmm. the average person is because you hear the news, tw- you know, once an hour and, and twice an hour and some hours and all of this stuff, and you hear us talking about what's going on in the news, so you're pretty plugged in. I'm sure there were people who have no idea that Alaska Airlines had a, a door plug blowout. All they know is all of a sudden there's a big, huge sale on airfares, so hey, let's go fly. And we'll get to your calls in a second. I ask myself, at what point will I feel comfortable flying on a MAX 9? Mm-hmm. I would need to research it a little bit and see what they've checked and see what the problem was and go deeper into that first. Is is there a okay? Is there a marker? Because I'll tell you what it would be for me. Is there one thing that could happen that would make you go, okay, all right, that's that's done it. I'll be honest. I don't know the system well enough. I don't know the process well enough to know what that is yet. I want the NTSB to sign off. Okay, I, I, I that want makes the, sense. Yeah, that would be my line of demarcation. Is when the NTSB says, okay, we've looked at every single one of them. We know yeah. what the problem was. We know which planes were affected based on serial number, et cetera, et cetera. It's all been fixed. Everything's good to go. That's when I would feel okay. That feels safe. I'll, yeah. I'll go with that. I'll steal that. <laughs> it's yours. <laughs> Take it. Sure. Let's go to Stephen Payola. Hey, Steve. Hey, uh, my question was. Don't you think if uh, if the problem is actually a Boeing problem, the manufacturer, and they didn't install the, the uh, bolstering maintenance, uh, that uh, Alaska's not going to turn around and just sue them for all their 
lost revenues. That's that's a fascinating point, and somebody mm-hmm. on the text line brought that up too. It may have been you, uh, but yeah, I haven't heard anything about that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me in one respect because, like you said, they were hurt by something that was not their fault, uh, right. if indeed it was Boeing's fault. But on the other hand, they still have to buy planes from Boeing. And they still have yeah. a consumer trust problem yeah. that people are associating with Alaska Airlines, not with Boeing. Right. So well, I think that's part of the fallacy, too. You know, if it was indeed a because, uh, you know, the, the airlines, you know, they, they take their planes to several different uh, places they haven't worked on. One being the factory Boeing, which right. if, if I'm not mistaken, that was the case here. Uh, but I don't know if, uh, you know, Boeing wants the money, too, as far as more sales. So I don't think it's really going to run that. I mean, Boeing has a lot deeper pockets than Alaska does. Very likely, yes. Yeah, it's a fascinating question, Steve. Thank you. Um, And and we'll keep an eye on it and see what happens. And I look at the relationship damage that was done over the Explorer when Ford and Firestone started going Mm -hmm. after each other. If if you don't remember the specifics on that real quick, uh, this would have been back 2001, 2002-ish. And Ford started having all kinds of rollover problems with the Explorer. Um, they blamed Firestone. Now, that relationship between Ford and Firestone was 100 years old by that point. They had been buying tires almost exclusively from Firestone for 100 years. And when they blamed that on the new tires and the inflation problem that those tires had, because they said people were inflating them to 35 pounds, like it said on the tire, but on the Explorer, that didn't work. They had to be softer than that. That that split a hundred-year-old relationship between Ford and Firestone. So, I mean, you can say, eh, you know, they'll still make their money. Maybe not, and and maybe that would be enough. Now, to that end, Ford was much bigger than Alaska Airlines is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, you, you had two giants, where in this case you have a little guy and a big guy who may go at it. But, yeah, I mean, if I'm Alaska Airlines, I'm asking my lawyers about that for sure. Oh, I think Alaska Airlines for sure sues, sues Boeing for money they lost in the past. The problem is that as a traveler, we buy our tickets from the airline. Yep. It's on you to keep us safe. We're not buying our tickets from Boeing. And so, and and people, I said, this audience is more educated maybe because we talk about it enough, but the general public, do they know that Boeing made that airplane? No. No, they know they bought their ticket from Alaska. So Alaska's got to rebuild the trust. And to me that further, like if I'm Alaska, I'm looking at future ticket losses because of this because people don't trust alaska now right and that's that's 100 percent accurate yeah the last thing on anybody's mind is the manufacturer who made the thing they want the person that they dealt with directly to answer right. for it absolutely uh, if you want to get in 913-586-7798 still to come we have a not in my backyard story to get to that's straight ahead here on KMBZ. Bainbridge, Georgia is where we go for a not in my backyard story. We haven't talked about one like this in a while. No, and I don't think I've ever heard the term monkey farm in my life up until now. (laughs) And that's what they're all crabbing about in Bainbridge. Bainbridge, Georgia is, if you're thinking, where in the heck is Bainbridge? People who live there think the same thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's about 20 miles north of the Florida Panhandle. So we're talking the, the southwest corner of Georgia and it's nothing but swampland and all of this. So uh, they have all of these people in this little town in Bainbridge, Georgia, who are up in arms now because a company wants to build and has actually already pulled the permits to, to start construction on a monkey farm that will hold up to 30,000 monkeys. 
and nobody wants it there. Why not? Other than you just don't want it anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you might ask yourself, why Why do we need a monkey farm? And that's a good question. <laughs> we can start there. And the reason why we need a monkey farm is because somebody has to supply the pharmaceutical industry with monkeys, which is another reason why people in Bainbridge, Georgia, want nothing at all to do with this. These are going to be monkeys. They're going to spend their entire lives having co- cosmetics rubbed in their eyes and things injected into them against their will. So uh, they don't want to be a part of that. The other problem that has come up in times past where other places have allowed monkey farms to be built is that they smell like a monkey farm. I'm learning a lot of things about monkeys for the first time here uh-huh. now. Yeah. What does a monkey farm smell like? Bad. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> okay. It is redolent and and dense and it's just awful. It's like having any kind of a farm. But I mean, when you have 30,000 animals all pooping every day, then uh, yeah, it's going to be a problem. Um, not, not just even to keep the smell down, but to keep the place environmentally sound and clean is going to take a lot. And they just don't trust the company that's going to build this monkey farm to be able to do it. So the problem is that we used to get them from China. Yeah. We used to, that used to be the big source. And they have stopped. I don't know if it's just us, but we can't get them from China anymore. They stopped that a few years ago in the pandemic. And we still need them. You know, I mean, we talk about um, the experiments and things that monkeys go through. And I know some people fundamentally don't like that. But having monkeys available for research have led to progress in fighting Parkinson's, sickle cell, COVID-19, polio. I mean, all these things. So we, even if you have an issue a little bit, it's, it's leading to some pretty big medical advances. So since we can't get them from China anymore, now we're looking for breeding facilities here instead. Yeah. I'm assuming also, again, based on my limited knowledge of monkeys, that they are loud. (laughs) Yes. I'm assuming that noise is a problem. And because they're small, you can fit 30,000 monkeys into a facility that's much smaller than like a horse farm or pig farm or something like that. You know that old joke about how nobody really wants a boat. What you want is a friend who has a boat. (laughs) Monkeys are kind of the same way. Monkeys is one of those things that when you're 12 years old, you think, you know, when I get old and I have all the money I want, I'm going to buy a monkey. And then you talk to somebody who has ever in their life owned a monkey and they uh-huh. all, every single one of them will tell you, no, you, you don't want a monkey. You think you want a monkey. You think a monkey is going to be cute and adorable and it's going to jump up into your arms and it's going to be this thing. No, they're loud and a lot of them are mean. Spider monkeys in particular are just, I mean, they, they would just as soon bite you as look at you. And, yeah, it sounds great until you have a monkey. Now, imagine 30,000 of them all making that screeching noise all at once and the entire town of Bainbridge holding its ears. So does Bainbridge not want the money that's going to come from this new economic development in their town in the middle of nowhere? Not at the expense of what's going to come with it. No. and, And part of it is that, yes, the monkeys will eventually make their way to the pharmaceutical and other industries, the cosmetics industry related to that. The other part of it is there's a worry that that the conditions inside the monkey farm, because it's not like they're going to have tours, you know? No, <laughs> no, it's not no, a zoo. They're not going to take the kids on a field trip to go to the monkey farm. So, uh, yeah, right. It's not a zoo that 
nobody's going to see what's going on in there, and they're afraid because there have been cases in the past where monkeys and other animals like that have been terribly mistreated even before they get to the guy who's going to rub cosmetics in their eyes. This isn't the first monkey farm in the U.S., nope. I assume. There are what have other others. monkey farms done about it uh, for noise? and They have taken a lot of criticism, and, and they try to do what they're doing here, which is put it, far away from where a lot of population centers are and things like that. The mm -hmm. problem in Bainbridge is that there are people who live almost literally across the street from where, yeah. they're, from where they want to put this monkey farm. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, but not to the people who live there. So really what you kind of have to do is find an area that's a little farther out in the swamp that nobody lives anywhere near, and that's just going to be real hard for them to do. And it's going to be hard to get people to do those jobs then. Yes. Um, 250 good paying jobs, wages starting at 18 to 22 bucks an hour with full benefits. That's the highest base pay in the county. Maybe you'll get people to move in or come in from out of town then to take those jobs. But the reason, the way you get people to take jobs is to put that in an attractive area. Yes. And, and if the farther you go out in the swamp, the less attractive it's going to be. So now instead of paying $22 an hour, you're going to have to pay 30 well, all of a sudden, it's not such a great deal anymore. But the real trick for these folks is going to be that they've already signed the paperwork. The, I mean, the, the county already oh. sold them the land. and Without so, asking the uh, people around there? I mean... That always works out well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, the director, Rick McCaskill is his name. He's the executive director of the Development Authority of Bainbridge in Decatur County. And he said, <laughs> he described this place, and this is not going to sell it to anybody either, as a, a cross between a maximum security prison and a daycare. Okay, we're getting a little dramatic about this now. <laughs> Somebody else said, uh, it's like putting a nuclear facility in your backyard. Yeah. No, it's not. Well, right. <laughs> in terms of level of want, I think is what they mean. You, know, you, you don't want a nuke facility. Everybody wants nuclear power. Because right. it's cheap and relatively clean and all of that stuff. But nobody wants to live next to the place in case there's a meltdown. Same thing is true here. I mean, you've got to worry about escapes. I wondered that, too. What happens when the monkey escapes or monkeys escape? And they're not dumb. You know, they, they're, <laughs> right. they're little escape artists, every single one of them. And catching them, I mean, look up the stories about the St. Petersburg mystery monkey and, and how long that thing was on the loose. And they're talking about... The same kind of monkey. It's a long-tailed macaque, I think, is what they're going to have the most of in there. And those things, not only are they little escape artists, they're very difficult to capture once they get out. Where does this stand? Is this coming no matter what? It or are seems we trying to like make it. Nice? it. It seems like it. I don't know what kind of outreach the monkey facility can do to try to make nice with the public. They clearly don't want it there. But I don't see them being able to stand in the way. They're going to make a lot of noise, and it's going to go there anyway. <laughs> gosh i i laugh you we got to have it somewhere yep because we need the animals available for testing and so i look at that and go can you mitigate the noise can you mitigate this isn't the first time we've talked about a plant that somebody did wasn't was it minnesota or whatever that had the smell coming from whatever plant that was i can't think of what that was it was a rendering plant or something wasn't it for, for yeah. meat it smelled they figured out ways to mitigate the smell and mitigate the noise and and again, it's the money that it's bringing into this small town. They're going to like the new roads they get. Yes. Yeah, there, there was a place that I used to have to drive by every morning on my way into work when I was in Kirkwood in St. Louis. And uh, they made, I finally figured out what it was because every morning I would drive in and this horrible smell would assault me. They were making automotive paint. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it was and in the middle of a neighborhood, you know? And I was like, oh, wow, how does anybody live around this thing? So, yeah, try as they might, try as they may. Living next to a farm is never going to smell like roses. I will f- be curious about this one to see if anything ends up happening here. Good times. Uh, we'll take a break. Coming up, we have a bunch of World Cup stories to get to. Uh, it's going to be a big weekend for some announcements. Some rumors are being confirmed about what we're going to have here in Kansas City. We'll get to that next here on KMBZ. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's a fun time to be in Kansas City. Uh, KU Football just announced how many teams they're, how many games they're going to be playing here. Some at Arrowhead, and that's a pretty big number. KU Football, not basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll mention that here coming up. But there are uh, some World Cup announcements that are going to be coming up on February 4th. And I... It's not a site that I follow um, just every day, but worldsoccertalk.com. <laughs> One of my favorites. Sure. <laughs> had a story because I thought I'd heard this. I thought I'd seen Justin Meyer and a couple other people tweet about this uh, being a possibility that uh, where Kansas City is going to be the headquarters, like the base camp for what country and how that's going to work. But this weekend's a big deal. Yeah, and what we're going to get, finally, is the schedule. We're going to know who's going to be where. And it's funny because, as you said, we've got a whole bunch of stories that are out about this. Um, and that's been a real mystery, as is we know that the United States is going to host a lot of what goes on in World Cup. But what we don't know is which teams are going to play where. And that makes a big difference in the fan bases and where people go. Because <laughs> unlike most countries, we have a lot of ground. I mean... There's a ton. So uh, because of that, there's one particular country that has chosen Kansas City as sort of their home base. No matter where their team ends up playing, they're looking at coming into Kansas City and staying here So because we're centrally located. And you can get to wherever you need to go more easily from Kansas City than anywhere else in the country. Yeah, it is interesting. And we'll talk more about what's coming up this weekend here in a second. Um, I just want to remind everybody, since you mentioned how big of a how wide we're talking about. I just want to remind everyone about the other cities out of the, out of the 10 that we're talking about, and then it'll give you a better idea because uh, it's been a while since we talked about it. So it's us, Kansas City, Atlanta, Boston, Dallas, Guadalajara, Mexico, Houston, Los Angeles, Mexico City, Miami, Monterey, uh, New York slash New Jersey, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle, Toronto, and Vancouver. So I don't know what the biggest distance there is from everything else, but we're talking about a pretty wide area there. Yeah, probably Toronto to Mexico City would be my guess. Mm -hmm. But still, yeah, I mean, but go from Toronto to Mexico City and then start from here and get to either place. It's much easier than going from one to the other. So uh, this is at a worldsoccertalk.com, and I guess this announcement is going to be made here at some point also. Um, There are 48 participating teams in the World Cup, and all 48 teams will be based somewhere and adjacent hotels for training and practice. Um, I guess there's also going to be a base camp in Dallas as well. So according to reports, Germany considers Kansas City as their potential home for their World Cup activities. Great. Apparently, while they were in town for a tournament, 
open um, practices would be a good way to bring in people. Um, and they, for like you said, they just consider it to be a good central location for everything. So we're bringing in the Germans. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hey, okay. come in here and spend your Deutsche Markies or whatever you people spend. Yes, uh, do that thing. But yeah, there's going to be a, a big party uh, for the announcement at 2 p.m. on Sunday. And uh, yeah, this is a big deal. I mean, when when we get a better idea of who's going to be where, then if you have any kind of, of allegiance to a team that's going to be in, in the World Cup, you can start making your travel plans. So this is where I need to learn more about soccer because <laughs> my, my knowledge is limited. But this weekend is when we learn which matches we will host. Um, that's the watch party Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock at no other pub that's in the KC Live. And then we also learn uh, the location of the final, which city will get the final oh. of the World Cup. Oh, that's big. That <laughs> search has reportedly been limited to two venues, MetLife Stadium in New Jersey and AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, we're talking about, I, I boy, it's going to be hard to, uh, even though I'm not that much of a fan, Arlington is going to be hard to beat in that mm -hmm. because it's yeah. brand new. It's giant. And yeah. So pretty cool. So two o'clock uh, on Sunday afternoon, we don't learn the teams for quite a while. They haven't, I was hearing Scott talk about this, who certainly knows more about soccer than I ever will, mm -hmm. that we don't, we're not even close to getting through qualifying yet to right. know what teams are going to be where. It, it'll be a while. Yeah, so this will be like numbers matches. If you're in mm -hmm. this place and this place, you'll right. play here. And if you're in this place and this place, you'll play here. But they've got to get through all of those qualifying rounds in order to get to that point, yeah. And it's coming up, I mean, two years from now. I know. It's, it's crazy how, I mean, you know, a year ago when we were talking about this, it seemed like it was forever away. And it seems uh -huh. like as soon as the calendar turned to 2024, it was like, oh, oh, <laughs> we got to get moving on this stuff. Um, yeah, so it's it'll be here before we know it. It was such a big deal when they announced that Kansas City was one of those those 10 cities. And yeah. that it was us and not Minneapolis and or not Nashville Chicago or, yeah. or St. Louis or, yes, Nashville or any of those. So uh, pretty cool. So Sunday we'll know a lot more. And then, you know, we might have a Super Bowl parade at some point, maybe to <laughs> chat about as well. But we'll, we'll get to that to later. Say that out loud. Yes, I know. I know. It's the last time I'll say it. Uh, okay, some business news to get to here. We've been hearing about this uh, on national news this morning. I was surprised to hear this this morning that UPS plans to lay off 12,000 employees. I just thought as much stuff as people ship. UPS is cutting employees? Yeah. Uh, some of that, I think, is post-holiday, really, that, okay. that we're still, you know, the Christmas season, even when you have everything else. I mean, post-pandemic, I think all of us order much more stuff that comes in boxes and you know, it was delivered to the front porch than we ever did before. And that's still out there some, but I think some of that might be mitigating because people are going back to in-person shopping a little bit more. And combine that with the fact that the holidays are now past and we're into late January, early February, and they've just got too many people. But I'm with you because, if anything, uh, we see the Amazon vans in our neighborhood oh, yeah. nonstop. Yeah. But over just the last couple of weeks, though, I have seen more UPS vans join that fray than had been there for the past six months or that I'd noticed for the past six months. I see the, the UPS brown trucks out there a lot more than I did. UPS is um, if you just ship through regular mail or you can 
you can purposefully ship through UPS if you want or FedEx or any of the others. I don't I don't know exactly what UPS does. I've I've kind of lost track because you're right where they used to be completely separate entities. Mm-hmm. Amazon had a hand in changing a lot of that. So now, mm-hmm. I mean, there's stuff that we'll order from Amazon that will come in the, the that our mailman will deliver. Our USPS right. mailman will deliver an Amazon package to us. Or, yep. you know, sometimes, uh, yeah, if there's a UPS crossover with the Postal Service or with Amazon or any of the other ones, I'm sure those deals are out there being cut. That's way too much money to leave sitting on the table. I guess I'm surprised. I thought UPS hired, just like Amazon and some of the other companies, a lot of seasonal employees. Yep. To hand, that's what a lot of companies do is they just Walmart and everybody else hire a bunch of seasonal employees because they know they're going to be busy those two months of the year. Right. And those seasonal employees know this is just seasonal work. Yeah. Does UPS not do that? I, I think they do. Uh, and somebody who works for UPS, by the way, fill us in. If you know more mm-hmm. about this than we do, again, it, it wouldn't take much. But to my understanding, having known a couple of people who've worked for UPS over the years, and it's really nothing beyond that, is that what they'll do is they'll do a hiring blitz in August. Mm-hmm. and thinking in their minds, okay, this is going to be a seasonal thing. Most of these guys aren't going to be here come next August, but um, some of them, if they prove themselves as really good workers, we will keep a few of them on. So I don't mm-hmm. know last year how many extra people UPS hired. Say for the sake of argument, they hired 15,000 people from August to September. Mm-hmm. Now they're ditching 12,000 of them, but they kept 3,000. And every time they go through a union negotiation, it's almost always centered on how many part-time employees versus full-time, because it's much more in UPS's interest to hire part-time employees. They don't have to pay sure. benefits. Yep. Uh, but the union wants more full-time employees. So I'm sure they're doing everything they can to cut staff under whatever their current collective bargaining agreement allows them to do. And several of you on the text line are blaming this on the raises that they got as a part of that big deal that we talked about last year that now they have to shell out more money for hourly rates, and so they're going to get rid of people. Yeah, and and it's like everything else. It's going to be first hired or last hired, first fired. The, the right. layoffs are going to come from the people that they've added the most recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you work for UPS, if you have background in it, um, we know some of you do because when we talked about the uh, negotiations, a lot of you weighed in. 913-586-7798. They are going to do their best to offer support, including severance packages and outplacement assistance. We should point out this is 12,000 jobs worldwide. Maybe that makes it feel a little less since it's worldwide, not just here. Um, and there's no word then. They just said lower volume, $9 billion decline in revenue year over year. So they're not blaming. I mean, they wouldn't do it publicly. They're not blaming how much more they are paying people. They're saying we lost revenue, which to John's point, are people just making other choices for shipping Yeah, that aren't UPS. Right. And, you know, has UPS done that kind of crossover? I haven't noticed it personally because we still order a lot of stuff through Amazon. But when the, when the UPS truck comes up, I don't look out on the porch to see which packages are coming from which guy. I don't know right. if they're carrying other people's stuff. Right. Uh, all right. Feel free to get in here. We'll take a break. Uh, Drew Barrymore has been pretty open on her talk show about how for a long time after her divorce, she didn't really date. She wasn't really out there. It's always funny to me when celebrities go on a dating app, and I'm sure it's funny for the people that match with them also. She had a really bad experience, and she talked about it on her national talk show. Uh, We'll talk more about that coming up here in KMBZ. All right. We don't know which dating app Drew Barrymore decided to use 
to find a date, but it didn't go well. And she told the whole story. Uh, of all the catfishing stories that we've heard, right? I mean, you never think that it's going to be somebody famous. The whole point of catfishing is usually that, uh, that that somebody is posing as a famous person trying to get some schlub to send all their money. But in this case, it was somebody posing as a famous person, a football player, who targeted Drew Barrymore and apparently got her. Yeah, and she feels like a big dummy about it. And, and still shared it on her show. Good for her. Um, yeah, which was which was good of her to do. So this is the way she, um, she described it going on. Uh, the guy allegedly told her he was the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. I need somebody to tell me who. Oh, is that who's, a football team? Uh, yes. That is a football I guess yeah. about where the Rams are now. <laughs> yeah. The, as they move the, around. The former St. Louis Rams. Who were the, okay. Yeah, Matt Stafford is the, yeah, the current quarterback okay. of the Rams. It was not Matt Stafford. In fact, um, I'm curious to know if Matt Stafford is single, but she didn't go f- that far into it to, see, to to do the research. So she said, and you know, they're just kind of chatting back and forth. And he says, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal in football. And so she said, yeah, hey, I went to the team's first ever practice game. And she said, I'm happy. I'm from Los Angeles. Glad we finally got a pro team. And then she finds out that he's not actually Matt Stafford mm-hmm. or any other quarterback for the Rams. Instead, he is a musician who thought he was being cute. And her question was, how should I feel about this? Yeah. Betrayed uh, is how you should feel. (laughs) No kidding. And what she said, I mean, she actually did confront him online because Mm -hmm. uh, she said that he had no idea that she had found out. And she said that he texted her. He was like, hey, Drewski. And I was like, I hate you. You pithy, deceiving, playful. You've made me feel stupid. I don't know who you are. I feel so dumb. Why would? Why did we have to get off on this foot? I hate you. By the way, I'm going to talk about this on my national TV show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, somebody on the text line said, Matt Stafford, not only is he married, but he has nine kids. So <laughs> Seriously? Apparently, wow. yes. He's got some okay. commitments elsewhere. Maybe he was like a third string quarterback or something. Maybe when, <laughs> when she be. asked, you know, maybe, Stony maybe he was Case the is out guy. there, yeah, trolling uh, Drew Barrymore. Um, and so she has been divorced for a long time, seven or eight years, I believe, and she's never really dated a whole lot. She was married three times. Um, who was the last yeah, one? Do you know who the most? Will recent? Koppelman. Okay, um, the only one that I know of was Tom Green, and they were married mm-hmm. for like a week. Yeah, first one was Jeremy Thomas. They split in 1995, Tom Green in 2002, and uh, Will Koppelman in 2016. So there's quite a bit of time. And she didn't just go straight from one, one to the next. Sure. And she was really open uh, on her show about the fact that she wasn't in a hurry to date, that it was taking her a while to get over these, you know, that divorce and that it was ugly and they've got, you know, two daughters together and learning to co-parent. And so she wasn't in a big hurry to get out there. I think we assume that because she's famous, um, and in fact, Jennifer Aniston has talked about this a little bit too, that it's easy just to go find, you know, find a new husband, go, go find somebody new. And it actually is difficult. Well, sure. I, I mean, dating under any circumstances is going to be difficult. Again, hate to go back to this, but look at Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Nobody's making it easy on them. The good thing is none of neither of them cares, uh, right. or if they do, they're hiding it really, really well. But yeah, what surprises me about this story is the other is the flip of that, which is the fact that somebody who was not famous found it this easy to get to Drew Barrymore. That you, I would figure that there would be more firewalls up, that it would be a difficult thing 
to in any way communicate with Drew Barrymore if I wanted to. Sorry. So I don't know what app she's on, and I wish I did. But if it's one of the normal ones, and I say normal, one of the Twitter, ones where that whatever. are free. Yeah. What did you just say? Twitter, whatever. It's not a dating app, but okay. Well, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> I just mean like social media apps. Like if you were going to try to get to somebody, that's normally where you would do it. Oh, but yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that Drew Barrymore would be on a dating app at all would be weird. Sorry, I, I didn't know that's what you meant. Um, yeah, the, the fact that she was on Bumble or or one of the free ones instead of hiring a matchmaker, which is how it sounds. If you match with Drew Barrymore, how are you <laughs> dumping that opportunity? Right. How are you not realizing whoever I am, she's kind of a big deal and she matched with me and let's see where this goes. Um, if it was even, I mean, what happens on the worst version of that sometimes is that it's not even, you know, the 30 year old guy, instead it's a, it's a woman or it's, you know, it's someone pretending to be this profile. Sure. That's usually how catfishing works. Um, but it just, it, it just stinks for her. You like her so much or don't, but I mean, it's, it just stinks when for anyone you're just the subject of a game. Yeah, it just she was just played with. Yeah, and and to your point, I mean, Drew Barrymore is one of those people that you know, the the worst thing I think I've ever heard anybody say about Drew Barrymore is, meh. you know what I mean? Nobody hates her. No, I mean the worst thing that I've heard said about her is when she went back to work with the show despite the writer strike. Yes, right. But I mean, on a personal level, it's like nobody's yeah. put off by Drew Barrymore. No. You know, a lot of famous people, they have that people either love them or they hate them. With Drew Barrymore, you either love her or you just don't pay any attention to her at all. So, um, yeah, I mean, it is, boy, the, yeah, the dating app world, if anything, this underscores just how many of those profiles are absolutely phony from the very beginning. And it's hard having been in that world. It's hard to validate and confirm that the person that you're talking to is actually who they say they are. Sure. Especially early on. It's easy to confirm it later after you've got a last name and, you know, you can you can do some of the smart girl 101 stuff or smart guy 101 stuff. But when you're just going back and forth and all you have is a first name, there's no way to confirm that information. You just have to trust that we're kind of all in this together and sometimes people stink. <laughs> I have never been more glad to have been out of the dating world long before internet dating was ever a thing. <laughs> Someone just said you'd think it would be hard for any guy to believe it was actually Drew Barrymore on a dating app, except that she has talked about it on her show yeah. about she's going back on the apps because they're, again, aside from hiring a matchmaker or asking your agent to set you up, which is what some of them have done, you're kind of, and if you don't care that the person's an entertainer or not, yeah. And maybe that's what I was thinking is that, you know, if, if, if you were on a dating app and Drew, you know, and it somehow matched you with Drew Barrymore, that the first, that there would be somebody in between you and her when you made yeah. that first contact, like you would, you would respond to that and say, Hey, we matched up on this dating app. Do you want to go out? And you'd get a note back from, uh, <laughs> from a publicist or something her saying, or something. saying yeah. yeah, okay, you know, let's you and me meet and I'll find out that you're not insane. And then, you know, if that all goes well, then I'll pass you off to Drew. Here's your NDA. What is that? Do not dis non disclosure. Non disclosure form. agreement. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell Here's anybody. Here's your NDA. Yeah. Uh, give me your. You know. Give. But I also wonder if you are asking for that kind of information from him. Is he entitled to ask that of her? If you ask, like, what's your phone number? 
so that we can run this. Does is he entitled to her phone number then? And maybe that's why he posed himself as somebody who had a degree of fame, that he wasn't just some schlub off the street working at Starbucks. You know, he was a quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. No, no insult to anybody who works at Starbucks, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, boy. So I don't know what she'll do now. Um, she, I can't imagine she would go back and jump into the dating world right away. But, mm-hmm. but it was funny. She asked, you know, how am I supposed to feel about this? Well, number one, don't feel stupid because it wasn't your fault. And I mean, this happens thousands time. of times a day. Yeah, all, all the time to men and women. It happens both directions all the time. You just are new to it. Welcome. Welcome to this this exciting circus that you've decided yes. for some reason to come be a part of. Welcome to being normal, Drew Barrymore. Exactly. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. Coming up, we uh, have this company to talk about that doesn't like it when employees leave work for lunch. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ.